Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Veterinary Advice, Animal News and Views, the place for pets. And they're people who love them. Aw, he's so soft. Come here, come here, boy. Here is your host, practicing veterinarian, veterinary news network reporter, and host of the popular YouTube show, The Web DVM, Dr. Roger Welton. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the final episode of Veterinary Advice Animal News and Views of 2013. Thank you for joining me this evening. Coming to you live from the Florida Space Coast. My name is Roger Welton, practicing veterinarian, and I generally mostly talk about animals on this show. Uh, Welcome to everyone who is listening for the first time and to all of you who take the time to listen to me on a regular basis throughout the year. Thank you so much for caring about what I have to say. That is just absolutely so amazing, so amazing, and I can't thank you enough. Because if it wasn't for fanship, I wouldn't keep doing what I'm doing. Um, no, actually, I probably would and just you know, hope that that one person uh, I'm getting through to is getting some benefit out of my daily experiences as a practicing veterinarian. But um, if I get to one person, to me, it's worth it. But luckily, there's thousands of people, and I just, I just, I just can't believe it. Um, just completely humbled by that. Um, at any rate... We do have two email comments. They're really just comments, not questions tonight. Uh, shouldn't take up very much of our time. Just a reminder for when we do start up the show again in 2014, probably I'll be broadcasting sometime in the first first or second week of January 2014. We do take email uh, questions, comments, concerns that you can submit at comments at web-dvm.net, comments at web-dvm.net. We ask you to include just your first name. We don't want to do last names on the show. And the uh, town or city and state that you are emailing us from. You're also welcome to call us live toll-free while we're doing the show during the live uh, broadcast at 877-878-1435. 877-878-1435. Give me a call if you're listening right now. It's your last chance of the year. So every year, I like to do an episode called Final Thoughts, and of course this year's Final Thoughts 2013. I like to just reflect on the year and look back and see lessons learned, triumphs and failures, things that we did well, things that we could do a lot better, things that we really want to look forward to, and things we really want to let go of and forget. Uh, Of course, we never truly want to forget bad things because we learn from those things. And we're going to be discussing a bunch of that stuff. And a lot of it is things that have gone on in our country this year that have very much affected uh, my profession and, and, you know, in many ways, small businesses in general and how we live our lives and and what our general feelings are. And we're going to get to that in just a moment. But uh, let's go to our email comments. And again, there's two. The first one is from Beverly of New Haven, Connecticut. Beverly wrote this, Dr. Roger, thanks for a great year of amazing information and insightful reporting. I am hooked. Great listen during my morning walk. Happy New Year! Exclamation point. Thank you, Beverly, for the kind words. How nice of you to say. Uh, this one, the, the, the second one is from Erica of Melbourne, Florida. So my practice is in West Melbourne, Florida, very close to Melbourne, adjacent town. And um, 
this is what she had to write. And uh, once I get through it, I, I will tell you how I know exactly who this person is. <laughs> Dr. Roger, I know you read these emails on the air. So as a person who's actually blessed to have you as her veterinarian, I wanted the world to know what an amazing experience it is every time I set foot in your hospital with one of my furry family, four labs and one cat. The name Erica and the four labs and one cat is really what gave it away. Sorry to cut in real quick, but I know who this is. You are not only a brilliant and skilled veterinarian, but also care so much about the families you serve. Glad the world gets to share a little bit in what all veterinarians should be like by listening to your blogs, podcasts, and watching your YouTube videos. But while your blogs, podcasts, YouTube videos are great, there is nothing like the real thing in person caring for my furry children day in and day out. Thanks for all you do for so many. Happy New Year and best wishes to you and your family. What a lovely thing to say, Erica. Um, if you took the time to write this, I imagine you're listening. Thank you so much. Um, serving owners like you, that's what I envisioned um, when I was going to vet school was was to to deal with people like Erica who consider their pets family, uh, not just pets, not just an animal, but a thriving, functioning social member, part of the fabric of the family. And this this family that Erica comes from is amazing. We're talking about amazing dogs, an amazing cat, wonderful husband who is cut from the same cloth as his lovely wife. Uh, both of them are just amazing people, and you don't always get that in veterinary medicine. You see all kinds, and I think by and large we see good people. You know, if you're taking the trouble to make an appointment to see me, for the most part, you care about your pet. Some care more than others. For some, it's just outright love. For some, it's companionship, but, you know, there's different levels of how people feel, and so not everybody's like Erica. Uh, and, and it's really a special thing to see. I think when I first graduated uh, veterinary school, one of the things that surprised me was I was expecting to just, you know, just see people like Erica on a day-to-day basis for every appointment. It was just going to be a lovely, happy place where everybody just loved their animals so much and they were so friendly and happy because everybody who loves animals is a wonderful person, right? Oh, boy. I guess again, I was in for a little bit of a rude awakening, and my idealism was a a bit uh, a bit damaged in the first couple of months when I started on in my practice on the North Shore of Long Island. But of course, you learn to take it in stride, and you understand that life isn't the you know utopian sort of picture that you create in your mind of of certain situations and certain careers. But I still love what I do because. There's enough people like Erica out there that really make it worth doing on a day-to-day basis. And, of course, talking to all of you folks. Everybody's taking the time to listen to a podcast from a veterinarian. You know, not the most entertaining subject. And, you know, <laughs> I was actually really surprised I was actually ever going to get more than 50 people to listen to me. Again, to me, that was worth it. But, you know, you're taking the time to listen, and that means that, you know, you really have a, a passion for these creatures that I'm talking about. So let's talk about the year in review. And I think the first thing that really stands out in most people's mind in 2013, and we hope that things get better, but the the government gone really bad. Um, I'm sure I don't need to remind anybody of the government shutdown. We have, at least in my lifetime, and you know, I'm 39 now, I've been around for a while, and, and I really did start paying attention to the political 
uh, landscape and in various things. Uh, you know, late in my teens, started to care about these sort of things. And I think in my lifetime, and I, I don't think I've seen such dysfunctional government in my lifetime. I, I don't think it's been there. You know, there was the fights between, you know, Newt Gingrich and um, Bill Clinton during the Clinton administration, Republican-controlled House. But I think that even pales in comparison to what we're seeing now, because eventually those guys did come together and, and for the betterment of the country. While it was a little bit ugly for a little while there, I don't think it's anything like what we're seeing now. And it's also divisive, you know, among the people as far as like the hyper partisans. And maybe they've always been there. And I don't know, whatever the case, and maybe I'm just paying attention more than I did before because I'm a small business owner. And, you know, I, I, these things interest me because what our government does very much affects, you know, things as we learned very a very tough lesson about this year. And you, you find like the, the right is further right, the left is further left, and they've never been more, or never been further apart, I guess, at least in my memory. Um, and, and as a result, we had our government shut down. And, you know, there were some folks that really, you know, didn't affect their lives that much other than they got pretty peeved off about it. Uh, but, but there was a lot of folks out there that just were able to sit back and, you know, tune into their political talking head du jour. Um, get all fired up and, and, again, peeved off and have their opinions and choose sides, but, but by and large didn't really affect them. And I'm happy for them that it didn't affect them. But then there's those of us, uh, such as here in the Space Coast of Florida, that were very, very, very affected, and there's many other areas just like us. So what do we have here on the Space Coast of Florida? We have NASA, we, you know, we're called the Space Coast because NASA exists here, just um, 20 miles north of my practice. We have a county also full of defense contractors. Right nearby is Patrick's Air Force Base, a massive Air Force installation, and defense contractors, Northrop Grumman, Rockwell Collins, Harris, um, Boeing, uh, you know, uh, uh, I get the one that starts with an, a Lockheed Martin. You know, there's like a whole alphabet of these government contractors or government contracted companies that exist here and, and, and really make up a lot of the bulk of our local economy, as does NASA. I, you know, I see a lot of NASA engineers and, and or, or people that just, you know, work at the Kennedy Space Center, uh, either, you know, with tour groups or even just, you know, cleaning the uh, facilities, you know, custodian type, type type of work. So, I mean, it provides a lot of jobs here. And so all these people that are government employees, have been loyal government employees, hardworking people for all these all this time, suddenly they're told, okay, go home. Government's shut down. We can't pay you, so you got to get out of here. They all go home. The shutdown looms on, and they don't know when it's going to end. And it, there was like, it seemed to just get worse and worse and worse day by day, week to week. And the minute you thought there was a breakthrough, there was, you know, another collapse, another meltdown of, of negotiations and talk. And I'm not here to jump on sides and I'm not here to get political in terms of, you know, who was right and who was wrong. I'm just here to tell you that from a person who was right in the middle of it, um, it really, really negatively uh, impacted us. So what happens when these people don't know when they're going to get their next paycheck, when this is going to end, when the final deal comes, how much is it going to affect them, how much, how much of, of their department is going to be cut. They don't know these things. People are terrified. 
So what's going to happen? They're going to put off electric, elective procedures that they wanted to have done for their pets because, you know, that might have to go towards a mortgage payment if they keep draining their savings. They're, not, they're, not, they're only going to bring their pet if, if their pet is sick, injured, or dying. But if, you know, a yearly was scheduled, hey, you know what, let me put that off. If a dental was scheduled, hey, you know what, let me put that off. Torn ACL, well, he's not dying, he's limping. Give me some more anti-inflammatory, doc. I'll get this done when I can. So as a result, my hospital was hearing crickets. It was so quiet during those three weeks. Absolute crickets. (laughs) And so on my end as a small business owner, that that affects me now. It's not just the workers. Those workers are my clients. Their pets are my patients. So what's happening? I am not doing much business at all, yet I have a staff, a medical team to pay. I have another doctor to pay, practice manager. I have taxes that never stop coming, insurance, uh, you know, Mortgages, basically everything that comes with the expense of running a full-service veterinary hospital, those bills don't stop coming just because the business has halted. And 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 there I am frightened because I don't know when this is going to end and these people are going to you know, start being able to not fear spending money on their pets again. And it's, it's just a chain reaction that it's just, you know, these I, I see these idiots in Washington, they're just bickering and like like school children and as they're just drawing lines in the sand and acting like school children and and really just showing us that they care so much more about getting elected, appeasing their bases, appeasing the special interests to feed their campaigns and and basically entrenching themselves in an ideology and trying to prove their point, they're they're just not caring about what's going on down here. What, what's really the, the, the ripple effect from Washington? And so that, that was very troubling to me this year. And, and luckily, it finally ended. And it was amazing. It was like a switch turned on. Cause, well, first of all, they, they ended up getting all, – all of them ended up getting a paid vacation because – and I wouldn't call it a vacation to anybody listening who, who was a government worker that was out of work during that time. Uh, they gave you back pay, and, and that's great because that was not of your doing. And I wouldn't call it a vacation because people were worried sick during that time. You can't call that a vacation. But ultimately, the back pay came. They were back to work. It was like a switch turned on suddenly. We were so busy, we didn't know what to do with ourselves. We were overbooked, um, which which was fine with me. But But at the same time, it doesn't need to be that way. So what I took from all this is that, you know, uh, I'm sure I'm not alone when I say I've just really lost faith in our system of government currently. Um, where it's at is a very ugly place. I feel like the our government has much greater capacity right now at this, in this current climate to do us way more harm than they're able to do us any kind of good. And that's sad to say, but that's how I feel. And I think a lot of other people feel that way too. So where does that leave me? Well, I am reluctant to finance new equipment. Um, you know, you talk about getting a new digital X-ray that you need. I did purchase one of those this year, seventy-two thousand dollars. You know, most practices, no matter how successful, are going to want to take that amount of cash flow out of their practice with all the bills that come in. I mean, my wife, who does the bookkeeping, she could write thirty thousand, forty thousand dollars in bills in in one day. 
you know, so, so you don't want to, you know, cash flow is everything in business. And so, you know, you finance these things because ultimately you own them and then you get to keep the equipment for a good 10 years. And then, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like your cars, you know, you, you finance one, you're not, most people aren't liquid for the kind of money necessary to buy a car. You finance the car, you do car payments, you pay it off after five years, you keep it another five years. The same with practice equipment. But, you know, there, there we were just regularly updating all of our stuff and getting the latest and greatest stuff. And, and I'm very, very proud of having a very highly technically equipped practice. But guess what? You know, right now, I'm just going to wait until one is paid off until, you know, I, go, I, I, I make the next investment because that's the way I have to be because who knows when the last, next crisis is going to happen. When's the next shutdown? Who the heck knows? Um, I know my government could do me damage. And I never expect government to help me. I don't want government to help me. I don't expect them to help me. Um, you know, I, I, I'm very much a, uh, a capitalist. I have a small business. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't expect my government to sit there and give me anything. However, I don't expect them to do me in either. Okay? Um, and that's, that's a little bit troubling. So cautious, conservative approach is, is I, th- I think, going to be – is going to rule the day for my business for the next few years until hopefully, God, this this political ugliness starts to just kind of clear up. Um, The other thing too is, you know, we, my generation, we cannot count on social security. Uh, Pensions are a thing of the past. So my wife and I are, you know, engaging in financial planning to get ready for our retirement so that uh, we're not left out in the cold and, um, you know, Social Security is just not going to be there. I don't have any confidence it will be there, and so I'm just going to assume it's not going to be there. And and you know we're 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 really aggressively pursuing that. My my two children, my my son is five, my daughter's three. They have to go to college one day. Well, um, you know they may only be five and three, but we are aggressively, aggressively, aggressively um, investing already in their college education because the education is so important. But the, the 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 college the the cost of education is skyrocketing and nobody's doing anything about it. So we have to really prepare, and and so we've begun to do that. So again, you know, it's I feel like I, I got to dig my heels in the ground, get entrenched, and protect myself from my government. <laughs> um, and that's what we plan to do. And and hopefully, uh, hopefully they don't do us much more harm in in the in the months years to come. Certainly in 2014. Now midterm elections are coming up in 2014, and 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 I hope everybody kind of feels like I do, but I, I know not everybody does. But I, I feel like I'm not looking as much at political party or ideology as I am looking at a person who not only is going to proclaim and run on the tenant that they look forward to and plan on work reaching across the aisle and working with the other side, but also have the resume that proves a track record of having done that. Um, that's what I'm going to be looking at. I'm going to be looking at less political party and more, um, you know, who, who's going to reach across the aisle and work with the other side and make government functional by the people, for the people, once again. Um, of course, when it comes to the House of Representatives, we don't have a lot that we can change there. It's a hyper-partisan chamber they represent the leaders there represent these little micro districts that are hyper partisan. So they're going to keep getting elected no matter how much trouble they cause for the most part with a few seats that kind of go back and forth. But, you know, I'm looking more at like 
Senate Senate races that you know the senators have to um, kind of talk to a larger group of people. They have to talk to a wider tent of people, uh, so they have to be more reasonable. And you know, governorships, things of that nature, and certainly the presidency. But uh, that's not till 2016, and in uh, 2014 we're probably going to start a uh, probably a very early primary season of history is any indication and um you know we'll be taking a look at that and again i'm not looking for the hyper partisans on either side i'm looking for those who have a track record of working with the other side and are going to run on a tenant that they will look to work with the other side so government notwithstanding let's talk to our, let's talk about our next point of 2013 hope in our economy economy looking pretty decent <laughs> Um, I bought my small business, my animal hospital, from a previous owner. My hospital's actually been there since 1952. I'm the third owner. And I uh, bought it in 2004. And everything was looking very promising. And I was very excited with the growth. And suddenly 2008 happened. And we all know about that. Let's not relive it. But let's just say things were a little frightening four years into being a small business owner. I was on the verge of expanding to a second full-time doctor at that point. We were doing that well with growth when suddenly that had to be put on hold until 2012. Uh, four years I had to put that on hold and, and essentially um, carry the caseload of one and three-quarter doctors, maybe maybe almost two doctors by myself because I just did not have the confidence in the economy to take the plunge. And even then, 2012 was better, but you know, we've still been in this sort of unemployment doldrums, and um, that's gotten better. And Bloomberg Financial reported that our economy grew disproportionately high in this uh, last quarter. 4.1% is what they're rep- reporting, which is remarkable. And it just seems like there's greater optimism out there. People feel a bit better about the economy. They feel a little bit more secure, and you could see uh, how that's being reflected in the veterinary practices, not just in mine, but in in others, uh, colleagues that that own practices that are, um, we kind of compare notes and and see how one another doing. We're we're friends and um, you just hear the same thing time and again in in just the last several months is, yeah, I just see the people more more engaged in the dentistry and the preventive care and, and you got a lot of the people that you lost to the shot wagons and the discount vaccine clinics and spay neuter clinics that are just, you know, churning out these just, you know, deplorable but effective services, I guess, effective enough as far as the people were concerned because they did what they had to do um, in, a, in a frightful economy. So they went with the discount care. They understood it was a different level of care not com- didn't compare to what they received in a general full service practice which we don't call it a vaccine clinic we're we're a full service hospital that also does yearly well care which yes does include immunizations heartworm screening stool screening things like that but it's it's well wellness care and it's a t- totally different thing well, we're getting a lot of those people back they're they're confident enough to say you know what I want my dog seen I want my cat seen by a an actual veterinarian I want them examined. I want their blood pressure taken. I want the temperature taken. I want the teeth examined. I want all the things that I was getting, not just plugged with shots in and out the door. See you later, like the discount places were offering. Um, so, so I just see more optimism 
in, in our economy. I think that's good for all of us, not just the veterinary industry. It's just good for everybody um, because it, it's not just wanting my industry to do well. Of course, you know, I, I want to do well. I want to be successful. But it's also the notion that when, when I see there is a pet that I can really, really help, but there is a certain workup that I need to get there, a diagnostic process, perhaps a surgery, uh, perhaps a hospitalization, but I know I can make them well, but the owners just don't have the means to do it. Very, very, very tough part of my life. Uh, it's very hard to reconcile. Um, and, you know, to, to reconcile being a doctor and being a person who owns a business at the same time. Very, very hard to reconcile that. And as a result, you know, it, it's it's not just my practice being successful. It's being able to practice the level of medicine that I know I can practice and help the animals that I know I'm capable of helping uh, because the, the clients now have the means to afford what needs to be done. And and that's just better for everybody. It's better for the animals, better for the clients, better for my hospital, of course. Um, and, and it helps us all just be successful together. So here's another trend that I saw really, really increase in 2013. It's a little troubling. It started in, um, I don't know. It's been going on for a while. I'd say I started first hearing about it in like 2010, but God, it just took off in 2013. Uh, Breeders selling pets on Craigslist. Oh, what a vile thing. Um, I'll tell you, folks, this this happened quite a bit. I come across it at least on a weekly basis. And the results are rarely good. These quote-unquote breeders are selling kittens and puppies online through Craigslist, and, and people are using Craigslist, you know, just like um, you're looking for household appliances or a piece of furniture or maybe a new boat or a, or a used boat or a used car. Well, people are looking for puppies and kittens on, on Craigslist, and man, if there's a market for that, these breeders are going to jump right on it. And they are selling their litters on Craigslist. And, and here's how it usually goes down. They post a cutesy little picture. They meet the prospective buyer, you know, at some park or some other third-party location, but they're not actually having them come to the home, which that's very shady right there. And, of course, they see the cute little puppies and kittens. It's, you know, pretty easy to clean them up temporarily and uh, make them look nice. But what's going on back at the the backyard breeding facility or puppy mill or cattery, uh, what's going on back there is, is, is all too often a deplorable scenario. You have animals, breeding animals with no access to veterinary care, living in squalor, living in their own filth, relentlessly bred until they literally die, basically exploited by these horrible, horrible people. And the experience of the consumer is equally as bad. So, you know, here in the state of Florida, and I can't attest for other states, but I know it was, it was so in New York when I worked there. There has to be a a state a a state form that's filled out a health inspection form that's signed by a licensed veterinarian uh, for a sale of an animal to take place. So it's actually illegal to sell animals that have not been seen by a veterinarian and the veterinarian signed off on their sale as healthy pets. Well, I don't 
I can't think of one Craigslist pet that has come with a health certificate. In fact, the majority of them haven't even had immunizations, deworming, or even a flea prevention. So a lot of them are flea bags. I have found time and again congenital and inherited congenital diseases. So clearly there's unethical breeding going on, probably a lot of inbreeding, recessive genetic disease. A lot of them are loaded with fleas and flea dirt, literally getting eaten alive, and you just can't imagine what the, parent, the, the parents of these, these animals must be feeling, probably living in conditions where they're getting eaten alive. And they're, they're often, if, they, if they're not sick when they arrive, they're often sick shortly thereafter. Um, you know, they're, 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 a lot of upper respiratory infections, parasite infestations, those are the mild ones. A lot of pneumonia cases, parvo cases, um, you know, bad stuff, folks. Really, really, really bad stuff. And by the time they come to me, the people know they've had a bad experience. But they're now in love with the pet and they're going to do what they need to do to get it right. And hopefully they can save the animal and give it a good life. But when they try to get satisfaction from the breeder, perhaps a refund, perhaps getting to pay for some of the medical care, they can't find them. False addresses, false phone numbers. A lot of them will use the throwaway phones, you know, that you can buy and it's charged with a certain amount of minutes and they'll use those and then they'll toss them and, you know, you, know, you can never find their identity. Uh, false addresses and then they just, they, they can uh, cancel their account on Craigslist and just open up a new one anonymously. And it's just like that. It's that simple. They just disappear. Move on to the next bunch of suckers who want to purchase off a of Craigslist. I'm telling you folks, don't do it. Please don't do it. Here's the problem. Even if you end up with a great pet, you get them out of squalor, and yes, you feel like you need to rescue these animals, but even if you accomplish that, what you're doing is you're encouraging these people to continue doing what they're doing because it's working for them. They're making money exploiting these animals. They're going to keep doing it. You keep feeding the industry. It's like when people keep purchasing from pet stores. You're feeding the puppy mill industry. You're feeding the cattery industry where... You know, you might be, you might feel like you're saving that kitten or that been sitting and rotting in a cage for four months, you know, and the price, the price has been reduced twice and still not moving. You feel like you're rescuing that pet, but, and you probably are, yes, you are, but what about, what about the mom and dad? What about the, the, the two animals that, that went into breeding that particular puppy or kitten? What becomes of them? I'll tell you what becomes of them. They are not given any, any sort of good nutrition. They are covered in ectoparasites and covered in internal par- or, or infested with internal parasites. They are forced to breed without rest relentlessly until they die. It's a horrible, horrible existence, and, and, and that's what you contribute to. So Craigslist has become a home for the vilest, most loathsome people in the pet industry. And those are the people that you're supporting when you buy pets off of there. So try to refrain from doing that, ladies and gentlemen. The other thing that's got to stop, the designer breeds, the quote-unquote designer breeds. Started in early 2000 when I, when I first saw these things. Young veterinarian, I saw a Labradoodle. It's a cross of a Labrador Retriever standard poodle mix. Cool looking dog, I gotta say. Um... But it's you know, it's it's a cool looking dog and it sounds great, Labradoodle, but it's a mutt. Yet somebody's paying 
sometimes one, two, or three thousand dollars for such a mutt, which is just amazing to me. The AKC doesn't recognize these dogs as a real breed. The next one I came across was the Puggle, which is a Pug Beagle Cross, also a cute dog, cute combination, but still a mutt that people. I know I know a person who spent twenty eight hundred dollars on a Puggle. Unbelievable. And, you know, again, you're you're just you're paying all that money for a mutt. And since then we've seen the Yorkie Poo, which is a Yorkshire Terrier mini poodle mix, or the Malty Poo, which is a Maltese mini poodle mix, and of course there's the Shi Poo, which is the Shih Tzu and Mini Poodle Mix. I saw one that this was this one amazed me. It was called the Teddy Bear. The Teddy Bear was Shih Tzu Maltese. What was the third one? Shih Tzu Maltese and oh, I forget what the third one was. Some other little dog, but they called it the Teddy Bear. That was the you know the breed. So so you know again your 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 the <laughs> the business minded unscrupled breeders out there are jumping on this and they're just saying, hey, look, there's money in this. People are loving the whole designer breed thing. They're buying it hook, line, and sinker. And they're encouraged. And now, I couldn't believe last month I saw one called a Bassador, a Basset Hound Labrador cross. Basically, it was real simple. The breeder took a Labrador retriever father, Basset Hound mom, bred them. Hey, I created my own breed called the Bassador. No, you created a litter of mutts that you are scamming people into spending thousands of dollars on. And um but people keep doing it. So what what what's to stop them? Now, I don't have anti-mutt sen- sentiments. I love mutts. I've had a mutt for the last 13 years. They're great dogs for many reasons. Number 1, genetic variety is great. It's a good thing. It usually adds towards a, a healthier pet, healthier, more adjusted more mentally stable pet because you don't have all the all the inbreeding going on. Uh, genetic variety is a good thing. Uh, the other th- thing, though, is that, you know, there's mutts everywhere. In fact, there's so many mutts in this country that hundreds of thousands of them get put to sleep every day because the shelters can't handle them all. Folks, if you want a mutt, you don't have to spend thousands of dollars you can just go to your local shelter and find some amazingly cute crosses ultimately you know a lot of them are the Heinz 57 they got maybe four different you know bre- uh, breeds in them and and it, it's hard to even know what they might be but some of them are so so adorable and have wonderful personalities and they're everywhere and if they don't get adopted they're going to get put to sleep and guess what? When you adopt them, it costs 60 bucks on average. However, that's your adoption fee, but you get a spayed and neutered, spayed or neutered pet. You get the, they're fully immunized, heartworm and stool screened. They've had veterinary care most of the time, and they've been treated for parasites. So you get all of this, and you're saving a life. You're rescuing a beautiful creature. Rather than do that, people are spending thousands of dollars on mutts instead, and it's just ridiculous. So just just remember that next time you feel inclined to go after a designer breed. And the last thing I want to talk about for 2013 is, you know, we've really seen this sort of exponential 
rise of veterinary medical technologies that, that you know, to, to a cutting edge level that I've never seen. And it seems to be, you know, 2013 it seems to have just taken off. You know, we're doing things like hyperbaric chamber, stem cell treatment, uh, platelet-rich plasma or PLP, or I'm sorry, PRP. Of course, the therapy laser, I've talked a lot about that. But what we've been able to do is, at an unprecedented level, we have been able to use these modalities to help treat degenerative diseases, tra- uh, traumatic injuries, tissue damage. Amazing what we can do with these modalities. But um, with the exception of the therapy laser, which is not too expensive, the, the problem is it's right now, currently, too cost prohibitive for, for the vast majority of pet owners. So I think we've gotten there, you know, as far as that that paradigm of medicine where we're, we're breaking out the cutting edge stuff, but you know, unless, unless you have Warren Buffett as a client or somebody wants to remortgage their house or spend their kid's college fund, which I would never advise anybody to do that to, to medically treat a pet, you know, a lot of these things are just going to be cost prohibitive. So I think the next task, the next thing we have to do, and we will as an industry is to make these things more cost available to the the general public and what happens is the the market is what really determines these things because you got a a company i'm not going to name names because i don't want to get sued but you got a company that uh does stem cell um well is engaged in, in in creating the stem cell lines as you harvest them they not only will create the stem cell lines for you, but also bank them for you. you got a company like that, and there's a few of them. Well, if it's going to be cost prohibitive, they're not going to make any business. So at some point, they have to find ways to do this more cheaply. And still, it's very much in the early phases. Hyperbaric chambers, they have to become more affordable. If they're going to end up commonplace in veterinary clinics, they have to price them at a level that people are going to be able to afford them. Um, because bottom line is if you've got a hyperbaric chamber that costs, you know, $80,000, I don't get enough traumatic injury patients that's going to pay for those. So guess what's going to have to happen? The treatment in a hyperbaric chamber is going to have to cover the cost of it. And right now it's just not something that is feasible. So, you know, it's great that these things are there. But the next thing is we got to make them more affordable to to just you know your average pet owner because it is really the the general public we're dealing with and the general public is not Warren Buffett right you'd love for everybody to be as rich as Warren Buffett and be able to you know afford everything under the sun that's just not reality so so the market has to come down uh, out of the clouds and, and make it available to you know Joe Public pet owner. So that is my show. I did this one for 45 minutes today because we had, just had a lot to talk about. Did not get any callers, and uh, I hope that 2014 will bring some less shy uh, listeners that would like to uh, perhaps give us some more calls. But I do enjoy the emails, so keep them coming, and, and just always bear in mind this is a live call-in show. I'm also here to answer any veterinary questions you might have. We've gotten uh, a couple of those throughout the year, but but uh, certainly not a ton. At any rate, though, I thank you for listening. Uh, I, I, I've really enjoyed the year talking to you. I've really enjoyed the feedback I've gotten. I thank you all for listening. 
uh, to my podcast, for reading my blog, for viewing my YouTube videos. And I want to send out a special thanks for those of you that participate, the ones that do call, the ones that send me emails the, to, to address live on the air, and the ones who comment at the blog and at my YouTube uh, channel. Uh, that, that's, that creates a robust experience for me, a robust experience for the fans, and I really um, so appreciative of the people that take the time to do that. And so often it's, you know, every now and then you get a troll. You know what the trolls are, the people that have nothing but negative to say. They like to just go out there and cause trouble. But by and large, we're dealing with mostly good people who really have some interesting things to say and interesting things to contribute to the conversation. So Happy New Year, everybody. I will talk to you again in 2014, sometime in the first or second week. Just check back. I would typically try to post the upcoming episode as soon as I can. Take care, all. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.